Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. We're going to occupy these houses. We deserve a roof. We deserve war. We deserve each other. This week on Women on the Line, we'll be presenting a snapshot of activism currently taking place around housing and homelessness in Melbourne. Women on the Line would like to acknowledge that the making of this episode took place on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. On the weekend of the 25th and the 26th of June, in the lead-up to the federal election, two separate events took place in Melbourne CBD around housing and homelessness. On Saturday, there was a gathering involving speeches, an art installation and sausage sizzle in City Square where rough sleeping homeless people and their supporters have been sleeping out and taking space since May. The following day, on Sunday, a number of groups including the Homeless Persons Union Victoria, the Bendigo Street Campaign and Friends of Public Housing Victoria held a rally outside the State Library. On Saturday, I began by visiting City Square and speaking with Lisa Peterson. My name's Lisa Peterson and I am a homeless advocate and support person. We're currently sitting in City Square and we held a little gathering of some people uh, to highlight the issues around homelessness. We built a cardboard house for people to write what it is they don't like about homelessness in the world's most livable city on. Um, We've had a barbecue, so we've got people standing around at the moment having a chat about homelessness and, yeah, having some food. It's, it's pretty nice down here. There's a good turnout as well, which is great. And on the, on the cardboard house, it's actually the, the voices of homeless people writing about how they feel about this particular issue, which is an important thing, I think, about this gathering. Absolutely. Um, we've got a combination of both supporters and people who are currently homeless, as well as people who have been homeless in the past on the house, which is very exciting to have oh, so many supporters come together on a topic that really doesn't get a great deal of attention other than negative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe we could talk a little bit about what's been happening here over the last few weeks because this is sort of an ongoing ongoing thing now. Yeah, so the Herald Sun wrote an article um, middle of May that uh, vilified beggars or coal biters and homeless people. It had a negative impact on the people who were rough sleeping as they were you know, moved on while they were trying to sleep. Depression was increasing and Stewie Polden, who's very well known in the um, street community, basically had a temper tantrum and it had enough. So um, he sent a guy called Tyson around the streets of Melbourne to gather some milk crates and they took refuge in City Square. We ended up being here for four weeks, about four and a half weeks, before council completely shut us down. We had the shelter up for a week and a half. They took that office because we're not allowed to have structures in the city of Melbourne. We're not allowed to camp in the city of Melbourne. Um, Being told if you want to, if you want to sleep rough, then you have to rough sleep, which was a little bit offensive. But while the action was going at City Square. The rough sleepers in Melbourne had a community going. Um, We basically turned City Square into a 24-hour drop-in centre uh, where people were able to sleep without being woken up. People were sleeping for 10 to 14 hours solid. Depression rates were lowering and we had donations coming in from the public. We were able to keep people warm, fed, safe and we had a great improvement in the general attitude of 
the people on the streets, but then they came in and shut us down and the community has dispersed. And I don't know whether it's the City of Melbourne or the state government, but they've been moving people on all over the place. You know, so many people have been moved on. I've had to help that many people move out from you know, where they've set up to sleep. I've seen police kick people awake. I've seen them, you know, two, three, four, five officers surrounding people who are asleep to wake them up. I've, you know, both police and compliance have you know, really done, I suppose they've done their best most of the time at being you know, really helpful and really nice, but there's still an issue with the way it's working because it's traumatising people who are homeless and I'm now starting to see an impact on the council workers and the police who are having to move people on. So something's going wrong somewhere and we need to have these dialogue. I asked Lisa about offers of support which had been made to the group as in media coverage around the dismantling of the shelter in City Square this had seemed unclear. Yeah, well the initial in the initial deal that council did put forward there was offers of secure accommodation. Now no one really ever explained what secure accommodation meant but basically it's come down to a couple of nights in a motel while we try and find you something else which could be a room in a rooming house. Hopefully it'll be transitional housing but that's if it becomes available. We've heard promises made and not kept. Uh, people who have uh, been told they were getting housing and then have ended up back on the streets they've gone into housing after that but they've had to come back onto the streets to be able to go into that and at the end of the day it's all well and good to say yes we're going to give people housing but we don't have enough. We had a very well funded program called Streets to Home that was done through Homeground and it took an average of nine months to get people into housing. So for that nine month period what do people do, where do they go? You know, the city is moving people on from everywhere. We need somewhere for people to go when all systems fail. If, if someone is sleeping rough, I mean, what are their what are their options look like in terms of finding somewhere to stay? What what can people do in that kind of situation? Okay, we've got crisis accommodation, yeah. which is full. I've spoken to women on the street where they've had at least a week's wait before they can get into crisis accommodation. There's rooming houses where I've had a worker say to me, you take potluck chance as to who your neighbour is. Um, and I've heard the horror stories that come out of rooming houses. There is very limited transitional housing. There's next to no public housing. There's very little social housing. Nothing is available. And there is no quick fix. There is no whole of government focus on this problem and it's getting bigger. I mean would you say it's correct to say that there's an increase in homeless people in Melbourne? Um, they did the street count, the city of Melbourne did the street count a couple of weeks ago and um, last time we did it which was two years ago there were 142 people counted on the streets of Melbourne this time there were 247 wow. so there's been a substantial increase in the last two years. What's really interesting I found in those stats is that of those 247 people, only 35 were women. Right. So it is great, but this is an incredibly matriarchal community. So yeah, right. when there are no women in it, there's a problem. Um, but it suggests to me that we're getting something right with women that we're not doing for men. Yeah, right. So we shouldn't have over 200 men on our streets. It's not good that we've got 35 women, but it's awesome that we only have 35 yeah. women. Yeah but something's going wrong somewhere.
There was a petition at the event concerning affordable housing. I asked Lisa for more information about this. I'd love to see 20 to 30% inclusion rezoning across the board, across Australia. The City of Melbourne have got 15% inclusion rezoning, which is fantastic. What, what's inclusion rezoning? Um, it's a percentage of a development that must be kept aside for socially responsible purposes. Right. So like, we'd like to see 15 to 20, well, actually 20 to 30% of all development be for social and affordable housing. The City of Melbourne have got the 15% on their developments up to I think it was 25,000 square metres. But then it has to go, anything bigger than that has to go to Richard Wynne, Planning Minister, for his approval. Which is all well and good, but he then has to approve it. There's a VCAP process, there's a High Court process. And if it's not in law everywhere, then there's a chance one of the courts will overturn it. So we really, really need an Australia-wide policy as well as the statewide and the local community policies. If you had a message to local and broader government about this, what kind of changes in the response to homelessness would you like to see? It seems, for example, in this particular movement that the voices of homeless people or people with previous experience of homeless are really central and that seems really important as a starting point. Absolutely. Um, I I think that's one of the things that's lacking the most is the consumer voice. To me, the sector needs reforming. It's been cobbled together as need has appeared and gaps have been filled, but there hasn't really been a comprehensive look at the system and how it works, where money's going and how it's being used. Consumers have been told forever what they are doing, what's good for them and what the outcome is going to be. Well really that's not good enough. We're being traumatised, we're being hurt and so are frontline workers. Frontline workers who don't have the resources but are suffering from vicarious trauma through listening to our stories are in as bad a position as what people who are homeless are. They're so disempowered and so the sector itself really, really, really needs a good look at. If listeners are sort of interested in getting involved or supporting the people at City Square, what's the best thing for them to do? Ooh, we're still working on that. We've been running um, the hashtag support our homeless as well as hashtag safe space, hashtag our voice and hashtag affordable housing. So at this point we're trying to link those up together. We are working on a page but because today's action has been a coalition of people who just have had enough of homelessness in Melbourne who have gotten together, we don't really have an actual page. A colleague and I have sort of started up an organisation from this, we've just incorporated. It's called Experts by Experience and it is a consumer organisation for advocacy and support. So we're hoping to get that up and going better. Um, we're on Facebook but still working on the web page. And, and you have an email address, right? For the Yes, we do. It's expertsxperience, or one word, at gmail.com. Women on the Line. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. We're bringing you a snapshot of housing activism in Melbourne. Public housing now. 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 
The following day on Sunday, in very cold weather, a rally against the housing crisis took place mid-afternoon outside the State Library. And before we get to the speakers, it's important that we acknowledge that we're on stolen land that was invaded and colonised and that these processes of colonisation are ongoing to this very day. That First Nations peoples are displaced from these lands that we stand here upon to this very day. So this rally's been organised by the Bendigo Street occupation of empty state government owned houses. My name's Nick, I prefer they, then, theirs pronouns. I was there on the first day when we took control of number 18 Bendigo Street and since then, over a few months, there's now about 10 houses under community control that were previously empty. The state government owns these houses and they're just leaving them empty. No, well, not only are they leaving them empty, but they've got security and they've got, you know, CCTV and real estate agents that, you know, harass people and they're going to extreme lengths to make sure that they stay empty. But the community has been very successful in securing those properties and actually housing people. So we're housing First Nations people. We have a Kulin Nations embassy on Bendigo Street. We've also got a house specifically for women, trans, gender diverse people. We've got a house with lots of students and young people. We've got a house for the Homeless Persons Union Victoria. And there's lots of new houses get opened up. A couple of successful evictions the state government has wielded against us. But on the whole, we've resisted, I think, about seven eviction attempts, um, which is fantastic. I asked Nick for some background about the Bendigo Street housing campaign, which is focused around houses acquired by the state government for the East West Link project, which now stand empty following successful community pressure, which led to the shelving of the project. Yeah, so Bendigo Street is a community housing campaign, basically. A number of women squatted an empty state government-owned house on Bendigo Street in Collingwood in the middle of March, and this house was empty because the state government likes to keep over a 1,000 of the houses that it owns empty for some reason, um, probably because they're trying to sell them off over time. But these women occupied, uh, squatted one of the houses for a few days and then were evicted pretty quickly by the state government. And so a few weeks later, there was a massive community campaign to get into some more of those houses. And that's basically been expanding over the last 100 days, pretty much, 103 days, where there's now about 10 houses occupied by the community. And there's been about, I don't know, 15 that have been occupied at some stage or other but currently there's about 10. And there is a First Nations, a Kulin Nations embassy. There's a house for the Homeless Persons Union of Victoria. There's housing for a few different families, a First Nations family. There's a house for students and young people. There's a house for women, trans and gender diverse people. That's basically what's been going on and various activities around that trying to campaign around the issue of homelessness and public housing. It's kind of twofold. I mean, it comes out of trying to address homelessness. And, you know, one of the biggest ways you can address homelessness in Victoria is by providing long-term, safe, accessible 
housing solutions for people, and that might look, you know, that that can be achieved a range of different ways. But the best way it can be achieved in Victoria at the moment is by placing more housing onto the public housing register, and/or building new public housing dwellings. State government's got plenty of properties that are just sitting there empty, so it could place all of them on the public housing register quite in a quite short amount of time and then commit to building new public housing. Because in addition to the 25,000 homeless people in Victoria, there's 35,000 on the public housing waiting list and that list needs to be brought down to zero. And at the moment, the state government's doing the opposite where it's selling off and privatising public housing rather than building new public housing. I just also wanted to quickly mention that at Bendigo Street, a number of the houses have signed lease agreements with the First Nations peoples of this land um, at the Kulin Nations Embassy on Bendigo Street, which is a really important thing because it's not just about state government owning the houses, it's also about whose land we're on. And there's so many different layers to what's happening at Bendigo Street, and it's fantastic to see those lease agreements signed with those houses on Bendigo Street. Yeah, so the Kulin Nations Embassy on Bendigo Street, they worked with the Homeless Persons Union initially to sign a bunch of lease agreements for some of the properties on Bendigo Street, you know, which is you know, serving a whole bunch of different purposes. You know, it's like asserting the sovereignty, the First Nations peoples of mm. of the land on which the houses sit, but it's also trying to put the legal case that you actually don't have jurisdiction over this, this land. First Nations peoples do, and this is what they're deciding to do. They're saying it's okay for people to use these houses and be in these houses, and it's trying to formalise that through these lease agreements. I asked Nick what the main aims of the rally were. The rally was just basically something that we wanted to do in the lead up to the federal election because in the federal election, you know, no one's really talking about housing beyond things like negative gearing and the capital gains tax, which are things really targeted to homeowners and middle class Australia concerned with housing affordability and stuff but there's been no talk about public housing and about homelessness and about uh, social inequality as it relates to housing or housing and welfare. And so we just wanted to schedule a rally because there's, you know, a rally on marriage equality and rally on all the key issues. And so we were like, well, let's have a rally about housing, rally against the housing crisis, try and talk about some of the things that aren't being talked about and it was really great to work with a number of different organisations and groups on that. And there were some fantastic connections made and new new friendships forged and people finding out about each other that they didn't know existed before. And all of that was really fantastic. So there was the Homeless Persons Union Victoria, the Bendigo Street Campaign, Friends of Public Housing Victoria that do work on mostly focused around public housing sites in the inner city. So Lainey, would you like to come up and say a few words? So as we 
all know, the, the number of people who are homeless living around Melbourne is an absolute disgrace. Homelessness is at a level that I've never seen before. I'm 53 years old. I've never seen homelessness as apparent as it is now. And that's just what we see in doorways and lanes of people living around the city. It's an absolute disgrace in a city where the median house price is, is $700,000. Uh, the median rent at the moment in Melbourne is $390 a week, yet new start is $285 a week. And for people on minimum wage, they're only earning a little bit after tax over $550. So even for working people to pay rent in Melbourne is almost impossible, uh, let alone students, people from refugee and migrant backgrounds, and people also that don't have full-time work, which is most people at the moment. Works are insecure, hours are insecure. Things are really, really tough. Yet as we know, at the top, shareholders and CEOs are making huge, just absolutely atrociously high wages for not doing very much at all. And we, the, the other 99%, are all doing it pretty hard at the moment. The federal government's austerity measures are targeting the most vulnerable people in our community. Centrelink is very difficult for some people to access. A lot of people choose just to stay homeless rather than try and engage with a system that asks them to attend so many interviews. If they forget, they cut off their benefit. People with brain injuries that can't remember those appointments and then can't call because you can't even get a phone answered by Centrelink. Things are pretty grim at the moment and people who aren't able to negotiate that system often find it just easier to stay homeless, sleep on the street and rely on mates, you know, to look after them because this government certainly isn't. Also disability pensions, only about 15% of people who apply for disability pensions actually now get put onto disability, pretty much no matter what's wrong with them, they have to go through an arduous process, rules have been changed to make it almost possible for somebody to get onto a disability pension. We should be questioning all of this because all of this is contributing to homelessness. It's not the whole picture, but it's certainly a lot of the picture. I'd just like to talk a little bit about the group that I work with who are women who are criminalised. So there are practically, I think, 50% more women in prison than there were two or three years ago. Governments are putting money, well, maybe not this state government, but the previous state government put a lot of money into prisons that they cut from homelessness services, family violence services, and education, especially TAFE, which has been set to one side in favour of dodgy private operators that are funded by the government that often just close down and people aren't getting their, their qualifications. 
If listeners want more information about or wish to support the Bendigo Street campaign, they can search for Houses Need People, People Need Houses on Facebook. We'll also post links to the Homeless Persons Union of Victoria and Friends of Public Housing Victoria on the Women on the Line webpage. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenonthelion at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. I'm Emma Hart. 
Hope you can tune in again next time. Bye.